0: welcome once again to a novel evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at a novel podcast, and the same over on TikTok. Uh, hello. Thank you for joining me, wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing. Pleasure to have you. I don't know why this is such a weird opener for me. What is going on? But <laughs> I forget all of that. Forget my weirdness, because I have got an absolute treat for you. This book under the tamarind tree is such an interesting, beautiful, dual timeline story that is set in Pakistan, set in Karachi. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's already released in the US. It is out on November 9th in the UK and I'm sure it's going to do amazingly. And the author, Niga Alam, is joining me to chat all about the book. I can't wait to find out her inspirations, her kind of reasons for writing this beautiful story uh, to find out a little bit more about the little dark, tragic secret in the centre, because we love one of those. And of course, to find out what she's going to bring to her novel evening. So a huge hello to Naga.
1: Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And you're joining me all the way from Minnesota. That is right. Far away. So all I know of Minnesota is I've watched the series Fargo. Ah. <gasps> yeah that is all yes. I know of Minnesota so I'm picturing <laughs> deep in snow I don't know if that's the case
1: um you know there's a thing called Minnesota Nice so yeah. they they aren't really like the characters in Fargo let me tell <laughs> you they're very lovely people but yes there is snow a lot of snow and I always try to uh, tell people like imagine documentaries on the North Pole and how there's this white snow and a bright, bright sun, because that's what it is. It's a very sunny state, but very cold. how long have you
0: lived in Minnesota for?
1: We've been here about 16 years now. We moved from New York, yeah.
0: Wow. So from New York to Minnesota is a big culture change. I don't know masses, but big culture change.
1: It is a culture change. The pace is much slower and I think it's a great place to raise
0: kids, Minnesota. We love
1: it. It's a hidden gem.
0: Do you ever miss New York?
1: we travel enough to to get that excitement (laughs) from the city
0: (laughs) so yes you've got a nice balance
1: absolutely absolutely now
0: Minnesota could also not be any further away than the setting of your book so Under the Tamarind Tree is out but it will be out when this comes out November 9th it'll be out in the world how does that feel
1: Oh that is such a dream come true for me because it's been quite a journey and I'm just thrilled that the story is out there and readers it's it's been released in the U.S.
0: already and readers are
1: enjoying and responding to it it's it's quite marvelous yes.
0: Amazing it must be really surreal when you've kind of launched it in the U.S. but now you're kind of waiting for it to hit the UK it must be kind of an odd kind of period to be waiting for that.
1: It, it is, but also I'm glad that it wasn't simultaneous because I can then really enjoy each launch separately.
0: Yeah, very nice. Any plans yeah. to come to the UK?
1: Oh, I would I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> I, I think if, if there was something really, um, an event for me to, to take part in, um, I would hop on a plane and do it. Yes. I'll
0: be over here. So first and foremost for listeners, let's dive into what your book is about. Give us the give us the uh, the cliff notes version of your okay. book. Okay. Yes.
1: So the book is set in Karachi, Pakistan, and it alternates between the present day and 1964 when the main character, Rosina, and her three childhood friends are on the precipice of adulthood. They're in their twenties and they're very close to each other, but they're also keeping dark secrets from each other. And that's what leads to a single night of tragedy that changes their lives forever. And in the present day, a much older Rosina gets a telephone call from someone she hasn't heard from in over 50 years. The phone call, by the way, comes from Minnesota so and that person (laughs) yes I tied that in (laughs) um that person asks for a favor that could expose all the secrets of the past and everything Rosina has tried so hard to protect
0: Mm -hmm. I love a good dark secret yeah I love it I also love when there's a group of people who know a secret because you just know the more people who know a secret the more (laughs) fast that's gonna get out Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It yes. pans out well. So where was your kind of inspiration for the story? Where did this come from for you?
1: Well, this grew from a very personal place. Uh, I wanted to learn more about my parents' youth and their family struggles during and after partition, yeah. which is this historical event that happened in 1947. And my book doesn't start until like 20 years later, yeah. right? But what I was trying to do was see what the impact of such a traumatic event was on children. So all of my characters would have been children at the time of partition, just just like my parents were. And um, their families uh, fled their homes and -hmm. crossed the border into Pakistan. So I wanted to have that backstory for my characters and see how the trauma ripples throughout their lives, even into their older age. Yes,
0: I think generational trauma is something we're starting to understand more and more of as time goes on. I, I don't know a huge amount about partition. Um so I'm kind of probably going to ask you questions because it's not something I'm hugely knowledgeable about. But obviously, it's that idea of the aftershocks, I guess. You kind of have the impact, yes. but then the ripples throughout, right? But yes,
1: that's right. Um, you know in, in nineteen forty seven after a couple of centuries of British rule, the people of the land finally got their freedom and independence and everyone rejoiced, it was fabulous. But that time of partition, when the two independent nations of Pakistan and India were created, it came with a lot of chaos and violence also as as it tends to happen. And it resulted in one of the largest human migrations in history, 15 million people were displaced and up to a million died and, and my family was part of that migration. So it really was a very large event on a very large scale, too, because it covered the modern day countries of Pakistan, India and Bangladesh, which is about a fifth of the world's population today. It's really
0: hard to fathom numbers like that, isn't it? I know, you know, you're
1: you're so right. And that's why I wanted to write the story, because you see numbers and statistics, but it doesn't humanize the event until you give it so people and and the readers can put themselves in their shoes and yeah. see what they went through
0: yeah and you've also said this was quite a personal story you know orange originated from quite a personal place for you how was that process of diving into that how did you find that
1: oh that was hard I have to say in the beginning I just reached out to family for stories right mm-hmm. as one does um and I growing up, I had only heard a couple of comfortable, easy to tell stories. Yep. When I reached out for more, nobody wanted to revisit that time. Yeah, and so quickly I shifted to newspaper archives and works by historians, just the regular way that we do research. And I realized in doing that research that there are many, many survivors of partition who have never spoken of their experiences there is a big effort now to collect their oral histories and preserve them because you know it's been 76 years now so there are fewer survivors left each year in the world so i understood that my family was not the only one who who didn't want to revisit that time but i was so grateful uh, for the gift they gave me that while i was doing all of this writing they did share new stories wow. with me. And I don't know why, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe they just were in a better place um, that they could open up. I mean, I hope it was healing for them in some way. Yeah. It was a true gift for me.
0: That's really beautiful. That's For that to come out of the process of your this book is, is wonderful. Absolutely, amazing. And it's definitely, I always think, my grandfather passed away last year and there were so many stories I wish I'd heard. And, and after he passed, lots of people shared those stories, but I wish I'd heard it from him. I always wish, I wish I'd heard how he saw that event happening. And I think it's very, especially it it's something very painful to ask those questions, but I think it's so important to, to ask your family questions, to learn about them while you have the opportunity to do so.
1: I agree, and you know, just give them the space. Maybe they will speak at some point because we we don't realize what we lose until we lose it. Yeah,
0: and then when you kind of took this very personal kind of beginnings, this story, when did you decide to merge into this kind of dual timeline? Where did that start to develop?
1: So that really came from right at the beginning because I wanted to see how even when the main character has led a good life, she's in a good place, she's done you know, good deeds in her life and helped a lot of people. Even then there are remnants of that childhood trauma that she is dealing with. And so I didn't want to write the entire life of the main character, yeah. but I wanted to show her at different stages. And I thought it would be a dual timeline would would achieve that goal.
0: And obviously I don't want to give away any spoilers, but when you were plotting the, the secrets, the dark tragedy, yeah. did you always know what that was going to be? What it was going to look like?
1: I had some idea, but to be honest, I know the beginning of my books and I know the ending. And okay. The middle, it just, it comes to me, while writing I think you wow. know I, I I'm not a good outliner so it has to evolve and grow from my. And especially
0: something that big that's going to really impact the book that's very brave I think when that comes to you because that's going to influence a lot in your story right
1: that's right that's right but I, I think that's also fun because yeah. you say oh no what if this happened and then you get to I think a lot of creativity comes out when it's not that well planned you know and then of course you revise it and over and over again to make sure all the you know, all the plot works there are no holes there are no yep. you know,
0: yeah yeah nothing people can look through and f- <laughs> you know be like yes. well, hang <laughs> on <laughs> and you've got these group of friends, you got your four friends. Did you have a favourite to write? Or did you maybe put yourself into any of those friends?
1: Rosina was my favourite. Yeah. I just, I'm not like her. Sometimes it's it's easier to write people that you are not like. So, but she was definitely my favourite. I felt for her, all her tough decisions. And, uh, but I did like the idea of childhood friends. And yeah. that has always fascinated me. because. I moved around a lot as a child. Wow. Uh, by the time I was 18, I had lived in seven countries on four continents. Wow. So, yeah, so that was a lot of moving around. And I was lucky in that I made friends in every new school, but then I also lost them in a year or two, you know, they moved or I moved. So I have been fascinated by people who can live in one place for their entire childhood. and just like, wow, how cool is that? Yeah. And so... I guess you always wonder those about friends.
0: yeah yes. I had those same friends for decades. It, it,
1: yes, I think it's of course big. it it they grow apart too, uh, yeah. which is natural. But it was just you always wonder about what you don't have, so yeah. I let my imagination do that. Yeah,
0: and the interesting this is the kind of thing it's almost kind of tying them together, but also kind of keeping them apart is this kind of central secret.
1: Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Which I think, you
0: know, we've seen, we've seen in horror films. i think like, you know, mm. I know what you did last summer. You've got that thing oh, of friends who have got a secret. They do it in lots of different forms because I think it fascinates us. This idea of how close you meet with your friends. And yet when something like that happens, there's all these inner battles, right? That's right. All these moral dilemmas that we just have to deal with. And going back to, you know, you saying that you kind of had collected these stories and research Was there kind of a sense of responsibility when you were telling this story? Especially because, you know, released in the UK, I'm sure there are many, many people who are far more familiar than I, but for people like me who are learning for the first time or learning more information, did that kind of linger in the back of your mind that you were going to be showing people this story?
1: I think it came to me later. It came Mm. to me later that because I was writing about one particular group of people yeah you know and it was very specific to their circumstances and when an event on such a large scale affects millions and millions of people there is no way that my story can be representative of everyone no of course you no know? and i do say that now at times in interviews i make sure to clarify that first it's fiction it really yes. is it's not my parents story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and secondly that I never intend to represent anyone else's story, but these characters' story. And um, I feel it's just a giant, um, impossible objective. So it was never my goal at all.
0: Have your family read the book? Have they? Oh, yes. My parents, they
1: they came for the the US book launch. They came from Karachi and- um, yeah. And they read it and they were, they just loved it. But then of course they're my parents. They're going to say that, but you know, <laughs> but
0: I think they, they do think I did justice
1: to the emotional truths
0: that. Yeah. And family. that's important. Yeah. That's such a yeah. huge part of it. I think as well is that it likes so the emotional truth. Yes. Yeah. How yeah. it really felt at the time. And I think that's so interesting. Your parents obviously read that and the kind of starting point was was them.
1: It was, yeah. I mean, it's like full circle. Yeah, and, um, were you ever
0: nervous yeah. about your family rooting it? Did you ever feel a little bit, a little bit of butterflies? Um,
1: I think the only nervousness I felt was probably, you know, maybe kissing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a child can you believe it yeah
0: (laughs) yeah do you know what I I self-published a book a very very long time ago and it featured it wasn't even a full naughty scene it was just on it and my grandparents read it and I can remember just inside dying just a little bit like they were so like yeah it was great but then I thought oh you've read that just that bit I feel like there should be like an abridged parents version
1: you're right, you're right. And mine is so PG rated. It's, <laughs> it's not at all, like I would, it's dedicated to my parents. I would definitely yes. not put in anything, but just, I try to block it out of my mind that, you know, when they're talking about how great the book is, I'm like, oh yeah, they didn't read that part. They didn't no. read,
0: they just read the first few chapters and were like, yes, this, this I need to read no more. <laughs> this is perfect. Yes. <laughs> this is perfect, yeah. <laughs> and so what comes next for you? Because this has been a labor of love, first yes. book, it's out going out into the world. What comes next for you?
1: I'm working on a book set in the 90s, okay. and you'd be surprised to know that that would
0: also be called historical fiction. So, yeah. I was born in 1990s, so my heart dies just a little bit as you say. <laughs> <laughs> I am. My story could now be classed as historical fiction. There you go. I think it's a very
1: random kind of classification used in publishing. Um, But yeah, I I can't really say more about it. I don't want to jinx it right
0: now. No, I still think uh, I'm still one of those people who still thinks like the 80s was a decade ago. Yes. (laughs) And then I see things that say the 80s was this long ago and I'm like, that's not possible.
1: That's just, uh, you know, when you see children, that's when you realize that time has passed. Otherwise we don't really realize that.
0: Yeah, I think I was showing my children. It was something, it was a TikTok about growing up in the 90s and what schools were like and they just could not wrap their heads around what we put up with (laughs) in the rewinding (laughs) videotapes oh what yeah and then you (laughs) had to yeah it didn't just do it automatically what is this oh that's so
1: funny I can't even like yeah I think we're so far from these kids that we can't understand um you know rotary phones I don't oh, even know if you remember lines. rotary from- Yeah, the yeah. landline
0: with the cord so you could never yes. get away from your parents to have a conversation. Yes. You just have to sit around the corner. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they will never know the pain, but I love a good 90s story. Obviously it's very nostalgic. Are you kind of setting it in a similar place? Are you going elsewhere because you've lived in so many places. You must have such a, you know, so many places to draw on. I I guess
1: I have lived in many places. I think I'll set it in a similar place. Yeah. But it will perhaps be um two characters that I follow rather than two timelines.
0: And do you think historical fiction is kind of your, the, the place you feel comfortable? Could you see yourself writing anything else outside of historical?
1: I could, I could, because there was a modern day timeline in this. Yeah, it was 2019, so that was pre, pre-pandemic, but there was that timeline in this book too. So I think I could see myself do a, a modern day. I think I just have to... See what feels right for a particular story. If there's a reason for it to be set in a certain time period, then it has to be set then.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, so for your novel evening, again, you you are a globe trotter. You travel a lot. I feel like we're going to have lots of different literature coming our way as well. So I'm excited to see. No pressure, but I'm excited to see what you're going to bring. I think setting is the big one here because I think you're going to pick a pretty good setting.
1: Yes. Yeah, setting was very nostalgic. Actually, this whole event is so nostalgic for me. I don't know if you meant it like that, but somehow that's how it became,
0: you know. It's I'm very gonna... interesting. Yes. Yeah, some people really do kind of lean into nostalgia. We've had all sorts and no one evening is ever the same.
1: Oh, this is, I love this theme of yours. It's,
0: it's great. <laughs> Thank you very much. It is, it's fun for me on the other side because people will give the maybe the same characters or the same authors, but their reasons are always different or who else is at the party is different. So how they might behave might be different. So, but I do like, I had the Moomins on a recent recording we had and that was very nostalgic for me. So Mm. I'm here for a slice of nostalgia.
1: Okay. All right. So this party is going to be on the beach in Karachi because growing up, yeah. Every summer we spent in Karachi. Uh, I was living in whichever country I was, but the entire summer break, uh, because it was an American school, so we got two months, and we would spend it in Karachi, and there was always visits to the beach, and there is a part of, you know, it's a city by the sea, by the Arabian Sea, so there's a part of the shoreline, which is very much in the city now, it's very accessible, suburbs are built out there. But then if you go to the real beaches, you drive along this road with sand and desert shrubs on either side, and then you hit the water and turn right or left, and you're running parallel to the shoreline. And the only thing between you and the waves are houses built at a slight distance from each other with their own driveways. And we call them beach huts. I don't know why. You, with hut, you get the impression it's like a thatch roof. And, these are proper. We houses. have beach
0: huts, but they are literally like okay. sh- very expensive sheds.
1: There you go. So these are just pro- these are just houses. Let's just call them houses because they have bedrooms That's and okay. bathrooms and you know the whole layout and yeah. Um, but uh, so we used to spend um, whole days there, you know, and mm-hmm. you can even spend the night there. And so my party would be at one of these beach houses, and it would start in the afternoon around late afternoon around tea time because tea time is a very big deal there and oh. you have to have yes you have to have all your tea snacks and then it would go on to dinner which would definitely be barbecue because that very is, nice yes yeah, the best cuisine my favorite
0: from Pakistan. what would you have at a barbecue on the beach because we've actually you're the second person to have a barbecue on the beach in Karachi. What? however we didn't go yeah. into food so that's oh, okay that's important. What would you eat? Well, it would be this
1: season, right? It would be the fall, so it's a month with an R. So you could definitely have fish. That's
0: that's Lovely. what what I
1: was told growing up that you can have fish <laughs> when it's the month with an R, and um, you know, and just beef and uh, goat and chicken and just a lot of meat and then there would be all these vegetable side dishes which are considered side dishes uh because they're meat eaters there but you know it would be plentiful for all those who don't eat meat and um yeah and there'd be music and all the water being the fall it would be calm so you would be able to go into the water and there'd be camels There are always camel owners giving you camel rides and stuff um along the beach uh (laughs) so that would be yeah that would be it would go on till late late at night um, do you get to
0: go back still do you get to go back for the summer
1: yeah you know when my children were growing up I did the same with them every summer we went back and it just keeps that connection alive with the family the language the culture, the beach, the food, yeah. all of it. So they have those memories too. Very oh, and
0: one day great. maybe they'll pass those on. And that's that's the beauty.
1: That is absolutely true. That is so that's such a beautiful picture. And what a place right to
0: get to do it because my nostalgia is not this beautiful. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is lovely. <laughs> I would very much like to take my children somewhere this gorgeous and be like nostalgia.
1: I think you live in such a beautiful like you could just go anywhere with the cliffs and the water. I mean, you're I'm, I'm an island. I'm very lucky.
0: I've always yeah. also grown up by the sea. Always, I've always been on the south sea. coast, and it is beautiful. Very mm. cold. It's not. Oh. I'm not a big sea swimming fan in the UK. Oh. We don't get very warm water. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize like that. Of
1: course, right? Water it's takes a while to get. Uh, it's warm. quite brisk. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mike obviously my kids do not care if they go to the beach they are like in it and we're lucky we have very shallow where we are you can oh, walk nice. right out for miles up to your waist which is lovely so I'm a big fan the beach is a winner excellent okay okay we have the same. so we're at the beach and we're starting our afternoon tea before we go into our evening I'm part of me wants to see I want to see the stars I want to see nighttime. I'm excited yes. for this okay yeah who's going to arrive first
1: so, my author guests are actually, again, I was very nostalgic about this, And I was thinking of all those childhood summers. My reading at that age was basically from school libraries because in every country, the majority of English books that I had access to were were from my school library. yeah, and they wasn't available anywhere else. So, you know, when I think back to that childhood, I think, judy bloom
0: as i was I think, just my <laughs> brain went straight to judy as soon as like it's gonna be judy bloom right and i feel
1: like it's just part of so many memories yeah. i think i would invite her and she might say no because she's been invited to other parties the same day because she's so I don't much think, I don't think
0: she's turning this down i think Judy's, okay. Judy's <laughs> going. and judy globally you know i'm in the uk i just think Judy is one of those teenage reads that I think every mm-hmm. it's super fudge or god it's me Margaret everyone has had one of those books that they have absolutely out by Judy you know I was thinking where did I first
1: read her I was in living in Rome Italy so it was it was that school's library that
0: wow
1: gave me Judy Bloom. so she's
0: international oh yeah. my goodness yeah. okay yeah. great first choice I okay your nostalgia
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And the other one, the next one is also someone someone I probably read too young, I feel, <laughs> okay. but I I just I just love her. And that's Agatha Christie. Wow, well, all know, of them.
0: Every yeah. time we record, I live in Agatha Christie's hometown. I live oh in Bay. I live 10 minutes away from her house. I've been what? to the theater she used to go to and see I promise taught. I didn't know this. Yeah. No. <laughs> Everybody says it and they're like, what's your favourite Agatha Christie? I have never read an Agatha Christie. Oh, you have to read all of them and maybe twice. I really do. It's getting to the point where it's actually a bit of an embarrassment. I was there. They're actually renovating the theatre she used to go to. And I was very lucky to get to go and see where she and her butler used to sit, their favourite seats. And they were doing a chat with people and they were like, what's your favourite Agatha Christie? Because I'd mentioned I do a book blog and I was like... Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there were none because I'd seen a <laughs> TV adaptation. So I was like, at least if they ask me a question, I can fudge it. But at this point, was... what would you recommend for a first Agatha?
1: That that could be a great one. And then there were none. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that could be perfect. I mean, I, I love them all and she would definitely be a guest, but I would task her with a job also at the oh. party. Yes, she would be providing the entertainment by creating a mystery for us that we would have to solve there'd be clues and puzzles and maybe something like the board game clue I don't know how she's going to do it because that's her job um, that's, that's but the yeah. one
0: thing she needs to do
1: yes that is that is the one thing that she needs to do and it's gonna be so fun we can do it in in pairs we can make teams we can just do it on our own but yes
0: my goal with Agatha is I always want to find out where she went when she went missing for those was 11 days. That's what mm. I want to know. Just write
1: a fictional story
0: about it. Well, I've just read a very, very good one called The Christie Affair, which is yes. all about, yes, all about it. <laughs> I read it. it too, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. that, that could work. It makes sense. It could happen. It could have
1: happened, you know. Um, but Maybe we we'll that's find out interesting... truth
0: at this evening. Maybe we'll get to the, the bottom of it.
1: Maybe yeah. Never know. Okay, Judy and
0: Agatha have a (laughs) Judy and Agatha. Okay,
1: and then there's a South Asian author, a Pakistani author, actually that I also read very young, and it was one of uh, the first exposures I had to authors from there writing in English, and that is Bapsi Sidwa. And she wrote many, many books. She lives in the U.S. now, I think. And she wrote about partition, too. One of her novels was about partition. Yeah. And so she made a huge impact on me. So I would invite her and thank her and just love to be around her. Um, so she's my third author. And my fourth is actually a fictional character. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Mix yeah. up. Yes. Yeah. So that is a book I read also, you know, as a very young adult. And um, so it's all a lot of nostalgia. I loved the book. It has apparently now become a TV series in the UK. So I haven't seen it like 30 years later. It's finally uh, okay. been adapted. It's called A Suitable Boy. Oh, and, oh. yeah, I haven't, It. It's by Vikram Seth, the the book. And I haven't watched it because we don't have access to it here. And honestly, I don't remember what happened in the book. It was so long ago. (laughs) But I remember how it made me feel, right? Isn't that what the best books do? And I fell in love with a young man in the book and his name was Kabir. And I felt so much in love with him that I said, if I ever have a son, I'm going to name him Kabir, yes. And uh, some years later, I did have a son. um, And I offered up my name. I was voted down, yes, (laughs) by my husband. So you tried? (laughs) I tried. My husband and my mom both uh, did not vote for that name. And now my son is very, very happy. Now that he knows that story, he's very happy that I lost the vote because he obviously prefers his own name but what I did was I put a character in under the tamarind tree with small but very impactful role and I gave him the name Kabir.
0: So I, I love did that that. that stuck with you for that. It stuck with
1: me I don't know why because the best books sometimes do that you know and oh, yeah. um, that's so Kabir from the book from a suitable boy will be there. And I don't even know if I'll still
0: like him. <laughs> it's very <laughs> awkward if he shows up and you're like, oh no. I'm like, um oh, I really, I really romanticize this in my head. And now. Don't we do that? We do that, right? <laughs> we really do. We really yeah. do. I think we all have those book, you know, book boyfriends, book girlfriends, we pick up a book and someone sticks with us. Yeah. And then you go back and go, what was I doing? Exactly. Almost. They're a wild thing. They do all.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. So is that your all your guests?
1: That is my. That are all. Those are my guests. Apart from family and all those friends that I lost growing up, I want them all there so I can see what they're doing now.
0: We're going to be renting a few of these little houses. We're going to be taking (laughs) over the beach. Absolutely. I love the idea as well. Those friends that I I actually lived in Canada when I was sixteen, so I. I lived out there for a year and came back, so I had like a little taste, little taste of that. It's always interesting to think, what are they like now?
1: Yeah, and we didn't have the internet then, so there was no way to keep in touch. I mean, I guess we could have written letters, but we were too young to be doing that kind of stuff.
0: Teenagers especially, you might write one for the novelty. You're not gonna keep that up. No, no. Because I love a letter now. I really miss getting letters
1: we only get bills in the mail right
0: you don't... <laughs> yes awful junk mail is all I get all books I get lots of those in the oh post, which is lucky very nice. you
1: oh,
0: that is nice. always very nice. So you've got a very warm evening here it feels like a very kind of it's a nostalgic you've got family you've got friends. is there anybody who's not allowed to arrive at your evening?
1: Yeah there is this one type of person that's and... very fair okay and you know we're we all do a little bit of this like we will judge a book by its cover or we will do stuff like that but i don't want anyone who is very judgy mm-hmm. anyone who can't be accepting and tolerant of other people i just don't want those people at the party or in my life actually <laughs> so
0: <laughs> absolutely amen <yeah>, like <laughs> Yeah. It's not just a novel evening at all. At all. Absolutely. I think
1: that the world would just be a nicer place if we could just live and let live, you know?
0: Yeah. And this day and age as well, you think we're past being judgy. You think we've gotten to a point now. Who can be bothered?
1: Right? I agree. That is absolutely right.
0: That's very fair. You know, this is a wholesome evening you've got. You want it to be relaxed. You want people to be comfortable. You don't need that. Not at all. That is not going to help. Well, I love this. I really do. And I see you're the second person to pick, perhaps not the exact beach, but Mm. it it was beautiful the first time around and you've sold it to me doubly now. I want to go. (laughs) I want to see it. It sounds great. It really sounds beautiful. And look, before Uh. I let you go and enjoy the rest of your afternoon, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment.
1: Well, I'm just about to start The Leftover Woman. By Jean
0: Kwok. So Jean is my next guest as we're recording. Jean will be the next episode that comes out, and you are in for a real treat. Oh
1: wow! I am very excited. I'm so excited to read. I just met her actually at an event that we did together. And so yes, and she's oh, she is just fabulous and just and so glamorous. When she
0: came onto Zoom, I was in like pajamas, Mm. and she looked. Phenomenal, and I was like, "Well, we're using none of this footage." So <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, she just looks perfect all the time. Yes, and so I'm very excited to read this latest book. I read all of hers, obviously, and I'm Ooh, a big fan. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's so good, it's so interesting, and her. I don't want to give any spoilers for her evening, but she takes she takes us there for her novel evening. We had a we. Mm. It's very interesting. So we'll have to chat when you finish. I'd love okay. to hear what you think.
1: About oh oh now I'm even more excited to read it. Yes.
0: Oh, and what have you read previous yeah. to that? Did you have a read you recently finished?
1: Um, what did I finish recently? I'm kind of looking I around. You, on the spot. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I think I read um it was a novella actually. Oh and, cool. yeah, it was
0: I don't pick up many novellas. I don't know why. You because know, actually, I, I think they're the perfect little. If you're in between books and you just want a little something, they're ideal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they they just don't have many novellas out. Yeah. I think they're probably published less than others. This one is called "Small Things Like These" by Claire Keegan. Oh, and that yeah, up. yeah. Well, it it I think has won awards and things, but it's set in Ireland in the eighties. And it kind of follows a um, a coal merchant who nice. comes across this uh, very secret and worrying information. Mm-hmm. And it's all about his moral dilemma, about who he saves. Does he save A or does he save B in a way? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the tension is is just... You can feel it on your fingertips, the way she writes it, and it's very internal, also. But it's just rising tension, and you're just worried, like, what is he going to do with this information, and uh, and how is he going to choose, and what will happen when? And to he get makes that, that into choice? a
0: novella, when you do have a oh, whole big book to you know, ring that out in, is incredible. Uh,
1: yes, I mean she's done a fantastic job, and it is about the mother and child centers that they had there in the 80s yes. um that I didn't really know much about but again fiction has brought it alive and
0: it's book. so interesting I'm um, a lot of my family are Irish I'm Irish and Scottish oh. mostly so I'm familiar more with kind so of the Madeline laundries and the exactly the right there yeah it's, but that's the beautiful thing with fiction is it brings right. out all these different histories you might never yeah. have heard about
1: I would have. And and in fact, the dedication is to those places and wow. to the women who have suffered there and the children. So yeah, I think oh, you would
0: absolutely check enjoy it. Out. it. Look, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I've had a lovely time chatting to you. And I wish you all well. I mean, the book's doing fantastically in America. So I can only imagine it's gonna be just as well over here. I wish you all the best with it.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.